All right, Hokie Nation, we are inside one week from the start of the Virginia Tech men's basketball season, uh, coming fresh off that ACC championship. Next Monday, the 7th, uh, the team kicks it off against Delaware State. They'll be hanging a banner up in Castle Coliseum. Uh, and we're coming to you, Mike and I, for our second edition of the Hokie Hoops podcast for this year. And we're going to do a little bit of an ACC preview at a high level, touch on some of the teams we think uh, Virginia Tech will be competing with for the ACC regular season title and the potential ACC tournament title, trying to repeat on that. So we're going to hit all these teams at a high level, but uh, Mike, how are we doing today? I know you're having a rough one. You're having to record from the car due to some uh, technical difficulties at the house there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, I could be off to a better start to my Tuesday. Let's put it that way. I am glad we're hitting record though, because it was looking dicey there for a brief second. Um, so, yeah, I mean, ready to talk to me, ACC hoops. It's better than what I've been doing all day so far, so this should be good. Yeah, I'm sure talking to the uh, internet company has been really fun for you. Um, but we you know, we do what we can here at Hokie Hoops to make sure we get the content out, whether that's record from a Starbucks or record from the car. So let's just dive right into it. The consensus uh, number one team in the ACC and, you know, a lot of circles, the number one team in the country uh, coming off of a phenomenal tournament run last year to end the year, the North Carolina Tar Heels are the predicted number one team in the ACC. Uh, they bring back pretty much everybody. Um, Caleb Love and RJ Davis have to be, you know, maybe the best backcourt in the entire country, along with another uh, ACC school we'll touch on here in a little bit. But uh, Caleb Love and RJ Davis, any given night, I mean, Caleb Love can score 40 on you. Uh, that backcourt is phenomenal. They played a ton of ball together. Um, they're a huge reason why UNC is predicted to be one of the best teams in the country. Um, but that doesn't even touch on Armando Baycott who is the preseason player of the year, averaged a double-double last year, an absolute monster all season long for Carolina. Seemed like he may have ran out of steam towards the end of the year there in that long tournament run. I know he was dealing with an injury as well. Um, but those three combined with some really crucial role players coming back as well, like Leaky Black, um, they didn't really lose much from a, what was a really good team come March last year. Uh, one piece they did lose that I think will be bigger than people realize was Brady Manick. Uh, and exhausting his eligibility. He was crucial for them down the stretch last year, um, but they go ahead and replace him with Pete Nance, the Northwestern transfer, who I think uh, provides a lot of what um, Brady Manick was able to last year. So uh, you know, the consensus across the country is North Carolina is one of the best teams in the country. Mike, what are your thoughts on the Tar Heels? It's hard for me to disagree. I mean, uh, like you mentioned, I mean, I was going to bring up Manic. I think it's a great point, but I think having Nance replace him is crucial. And I think when looking at Carolina, too, the big thing for me is like, yeah, they got talent across the board. They're going to be one of the best teams in the country. I, I mean, I certainly don't disagree with the assessment there. My thing is like, what's Carolina going to look like defensively this year, right? Because I think one of the big reasons why Carolina was able to make it all the way to a national championship game and really just come within 20 minutes of winning the whole thing. Is, is kind of the adjustments they made defensively last year, right? Like, they were not a great defensive team for all of last season, but they were a great defensive team in the tournament. And I think, you know, obviously returning Leaky Black and what he does defensively um, out on the wing is significant. Returning Armando Baycott is obviously significant. And Caleb Love, with his length at point guard, you know, they should be a pretty good defensive team once again. And can they have that kind of consistency all year long is kind of what I'm going to be looking for. Because I think this team is obviously going to be able to score some points. 
like you mentioned, Caleb Love is a is a forty bomb waiting to happen. Uh, kid is an absolute bucket. I mean, we saw what he was able to do in the tournament last year. He's obviously a very very good player. Bringing back Baycott, R.J. Davis, we we see what he's been able to do. I mean, this is a very very talented and deep roster returning um, with a ton of experience. This should be a very very good Carolina team once again. I have a hard time believing that this won't be you know one of the top seeds in the tournament come March. Yeah, the one thing I have questions about is, you know, last year there were expectations for Carolina like there always is. But with a brand new coach last year in Hubert Davis, those expectations were tempered a little bit. That's out the window this year. The expectations are through the roof for this Carolina team. And how is Hubert able to navigate that, and keep everybody in the right headspace, you know, all year long? They're going to go into every game they play with a target on their back um, to the 10th degree like they always do. But, you know, this team's going to have a target every single night out and keeping those kids level-headed. Um, it's a very veteran group, so it shouldn't be too much of a challenge, but uh, completely different circumstances for Hubert Davis going into the year than what he had in year one in North Carolina. Now, of course, the number two team uh, in the ACC media day, um, you know, projections for the year, number two in order to finish would be Duke. Shocker to nobody, right? Um, I have a lot of questions about Duke. I have no questions about their talent. No one ever should have questions about their talent level. But there's so many other things going on in the Duke program. Um, you know, Coach K is gone, right? Brand new coach. Can John Shire do this? Can he be the coach at Duke um, with a roster that is so young and inexperienced? The only real experienced player they're bringing back this year is Jeremy Roach, who came on strong towards the end of the year last year, but never had to be the guy. It was never the primary ball handler. The things he'll have to do this year. You know, he's the elder statesman in that locker room followed by a bunch of ridiculously talented freshmen. Uh, five-star Derek Lively, five-star Kyle Flippinowski, five-star Derek Whitehead, five-star Mark Mitchell, and four-star Tyrese Proctor. This roster is loaded top to bottom. But with all that inexperience, both in the locker room from the player's perspective and then also from the coaching perspective, um, I'm going to have to see it pretty early on with Duke for me to have them as highly rated as a lot of the national pundits do. Uh, I understand predicting them to finish second in the conference with all that talent that they do have. But man, there's a lot of turnover, both coaching and player-wise in Durham. And it's going to be really interesting to watch it unfold early in the season. Yeah, I mean, the, the ta- it, this is just like typical Duke, right? I mean, they lose, obviously, a ton of talent um, to the NBA and to graduation, and they lose their coach of 40-plus years in Coach K. Like, I don't think this is going to be something where Shire's just going to step in and it's going to be a seamless transition. I mean, like you mentioned, Duke returns a ton of talent. Um, they do have some injury questions coming into the year, like what's the health of Derek Whitehead going to look like? Because obviously he's, for all the talented kids you just mentioned, I mean, Whitehead is, is one, of the, one of the top players on that list. And, you know, what's his health going to look like throughout the year? That's obviously a pretty big question mark. How's John Shire going to adjust to, you know, instead of being second in command, being, you know, first in command? He's been around the Duke program for a long time, both as a player and as a coach, obviously. So, you know, you don't expect there to be like too big of a drop off and like too many questions. But at the same time, you are a first time coach in the ACC. We had plenty of questions about North Carolina at this time last year, um, considering, you know, Hubert Davis, you know, stepping in for Roy Williams and how different was that going to look? So, I mean, there have been questions before about Duke in terms of how are they going to replace talent, and they were always able to just kind of do it. And there's no question this team is extremely talented, but at the same time, like, 
how are these young guys all going to mesh together? And instead of Coach K running the show, now it's Shire. So it's Shire's job to get all these guys kind of united and playing together. That's the biggest question about Duke coming into the year and whether or not they can reach their ceiling. It's not the talent itself. It's not even John Shire as a coach. It's, you know, when you mix all those things together, what does that look like? So that's the question for me. Um, I think Duke's obviously going to be one of the top teams in the country, I think but it might not always look pretty, especially at the outset. Yeah, and, you know, fortunately for college basketball fans, we're going to find out pretty quickly in week two of the season when number seven Duke takes on number five Kansas in the Champions Classic. So Duke coming into the year ranked seventh in the country nationally and second in the ACC. Now, coming out of ACC Media Day, the third-ranked team was Virginia, a Virginia team that returns the majority of their production from albeit a average team last year. So they've got everybody back. The real question is, can Tony Bennett take this roster to the next level? And most people in the media are projecting that he will. Uh, I have a lot of concerns about Duke being able to score the ball, especially from the guard position with Kihei Clark and Beekman. Uh, I, I need to see them score because when the Virginia team was clicking at the way they were winning a national championship, they had NBA level guards who were able to score and get a bucket as needed. Um, since then, they've played really good defense, but they've been outscored, and that's when they lose games. That you know they'll give up, they'll only give up fifty, but they'll only score forty. And until I can see that, particularly the guards in Charlottesville score the ball at a higher rate, more consistently, shoot it for better percentage from the outside, I'm going to have a hard time having them finish third in the ACC. Um, so I have questions about Clark and Beekman. I think they kind of are what they are, and unless some of these freshmen come on very quickly for Tony Bennett in that system. Uh, which is hard to do, especially because, you know, if you don't play defense, you don't play for Tony Bennett. And the adjustment for high-level kids coming into college basketball is usually on the defensive end. Um, those kids will give this pro their program a ceiling moving forward because they are highly rated kids with high skill levels who can potentially develop to be, you know, a Kyle Guy or a, um, Jerome in a few years. But right now, you know, they're kind of stuck with who they have. And whether or not that's going to be enough offensively, you know, they needed they need big steps from Jaden Gardner and Franklin in year two of Tony Bennett's system, particularly on the offensive end. So I have a lot of questions about UVA and what their ceiling really will be this year. But going into the year, you know, they're ranked third in the ACC going into the year. So maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I want to see more on the offensive end before I have them this highly rated. I mean, it's been a while, right? I mean, it's it's not the Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, Malcolm Brogdon's of the world in the backcourt anymore, right? And there's a definitive drop-off offensively from those guys, right? I mean, those three guys I mentioned could all score. And Kihei Clark doesn't give you anything from a scoring standpoint, right? Um, he's a facilitator. He's really pesky. He's really annoying to play against. He's got all those things going for him. Beekman is obviously a good player. Um, he's just got to show more consistency on the offensive end. I do like the addition of Ben Vanderplas from Ohio um, coming in. I, I think that's a significant addition offensively in the front court, but the questions are in the back court, right? Because I do think this is once again, going to be a typical Tony Bennett team where they're going to be nasty defensively and they're going to be really hard to score on. But my question is kind of the same as yours, Ed. It's like, how much is this team going to score? Like, Ben Vanderplas is going to fix everything, right? Like he's, he's going to be an athletic big that's going to, you know, give them an, an added punch in the front court, but I don't think that's enough to kind of offset what they didn't have last year in the backcourt. And I still haven't really seen them, you know, 
find that offense in the backcourt. Uh, we're I think we're banking a lot on Kihei Clark um, and Brashad Beekman like taking a step forward. I just I don't necessarily see it on the offensive end. Like I think do I think Virginia returns to the tournament? Yes, I do. Do I think you know it was kind of an aberration from that standpoint last year? Like I do because I think Tony Bennett's a really freaking good coach. But at the same time, like there are still plenty of questions that about UVA that I had last year that still kind of exist this year. It's just that these guys are, you know, back for another year of college basketball, which, I mean, I think will help, but it's not going to be the end all, the be all end all, so to speak. So, I'm not sure if, if UVA is the third best team in the ACC. Um, I think they have potential to get there, but I still have plenty of questions about them and kind of where they're going to end up. Yep, I think we're we're in lockstep on that one. Um, you know, Virginia is always going to have a really high floor, but the question is where where their ceiling is, and I'm not just I'm just not sure it's a top three team in the ACC going into the year. Um, we'll have to see though as that yeah. offense develops. When I talked about Carolina at the beginning, I said they potentially have the best backcourt in the country, and I referenced another ACC team that I think could be right there with them, and that's the Miami Hurricanes. Jim Laranega has Isaiah Wong, who has played college basketball now for I swear like ten years. Um, that guy can score in bunches in a hurry, but then they bring in Nigel Pack as well, and they have a backcourt that could average 40 a night. Um, that's a that's an incredible backcourt for a college basketball team, and I think they'll be right there with Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. So I understand why Miami is predicted to finish fourth in the ACC coming into the year. Um, absolute studs at Wong and Pack, but after that, they're relying heavily on some highly rated freshmen on the front court side of things with A.J. Casey, a four-star power forward and favor error at four-star center. Um, I have questions about their front court, but I the backcourt, the ceiling is so high on that backcourt that I understand why this team is where they are. You know, you lose Charlie Moore um, and Wardenberger, and, you know, you lose a couple guys there that played a ton of minutes and a ton of college basketball. But I, that backcourt should be really fun to watch and will be a force to be reckoned with all year long. Um, I look forward to watching Wong and what has to be his last year, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, he's been... God, he's been around forever, it feels like. And, it, it, you know, it's pretty funny because there were the questions about NIL, like, really early in the offseason. Like, is Isaiah Wong actually going to return to Miami or is he going to head elsewhere? Like, there are all those questions, right? And yet he's back, and they add Pack to the mix. They add Arkansas State transfer Norshad Omier as well. Like, this is going to be a an offense that's going to score a ton of points, right? And Laranaga, you know Laranaga is going to always have them well coached. Um, I do have, like you, Ed, like we're kind of in lockstep. Do have questions about the front court, but once again, like the back court and the wings are going to be so good for Miami, it might not matter. Miami had a really, really good squad last year. Um, I, I think having like uh, what I presume is fifth and final year Isaiah Wong. I think this is COVID year, if I'm not mistaken. Like having him back in the mix, I think is obviously significant. Um, Pack is obviously going to be a kid that I think that everybody's going to see how he adjusts to life in the ACC. What does that look like? Um, but this is going to be a really good Miami team. And, you know, I, I talk about, you know, my questions about UVA, right, and their ability to score. I don't really have those questions with Miami, right? Like, I think if Miami and UVA is, like, first one to 50, like, I'm going to put my money on Miami to get there first. In my opinion, Miami is a team that can absolutely be the second or third best team in the conference this year. Um, I just, it's hard, it's hard to really question a Laranaga coach team with a really good backcourt, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, we, we talked about questions with 
questions with Tony Bennett's team, and yes, he has a good backcourt, but they can't really score. And questions about Duke, yes, they're talented, but will they all mesh? Like, we don't really have those questions with Miami, right? I mean, th- this is a, a, a team that we presume is going to be well-coached, and they have a, a big-time scorer in Isaiah Wong. This is a team that can absolutely, be, you know, contend with North Carolina, in my opinion, for an ACC championship. I think they're that good. Agreed. And, you know, when you have a, a veteran, highly, highly talented backcourt and group of wings the way Miami does, you know, that can soften the blow on the young frontcourt pieces that they brought in for this year. So I, I agree with you. I'm higher on Miami than I am on Virginia. I think, you know, as much as as great of a coach as Tony Bennett is, I think sometimes he might get a little more credit than he deserves preseason. Um, when you just look at the, the roster they had last year and this year, both going into both years, they're ranked pretty highly. Um, which you can't really see it if you look at it on paper. Jeremy Laranega probably doesn't get enough credit for how good of a coach he really is. Um, and totally this year he's agree. got a, a veteran guards who can score in bunches. So uh, I'm pretty high on Miami. I think they're a very, very good team. Now, coming in fifth in the ACC preseason rankings was Florida State, a team that has been uh, injury-stricken for a couple of years, in particular last year. They had a hard time with injuries last year. Um, very talented. They've got like seven four-star guys and a five-star guy on their roster over the past few recruiting cycles. So super highly talented. We know Leonard Hamilton likes to roll his players in bunches. He'll play anywhere from nine to 10 to 11 guys. Um, and he hasn't had the luxury of doing that particularly last year due to injuries. Um, but, you know, the media is pretty high on Florida State. I have questions about their roster uh, because of turnover. They just had a, they had a huge roster turnover this offseason. Granted, they brought in a lot of talent, um, but they also lost a lot of guys who've played a bunch of basketball for them. So I have a lot of questions about how the turnover in the roster there, but guys like Matthew Cleveland, you know, super talented, Bob on Miller, Jalen Worley, they're, they're a very, very talented team. Just a lot of roster turnover that I need to see uh, how they all mesh going into the year. I think they're very much a boom or bust team. I think they could either be middle of the pack in the ACC or right up there at the top with, you know, the Dukes and the Miamis and the Carolinas of the world. So uh, a lot of roster turnover leads me to have some questions, but we'll see how it unfolds early in the year. Very much a high ceiling, uh, middle to low floor, I think, depending on how things unfold in Tallahassee. Yeah, and, you know, it just came out today. Luckily, we recorded this today instead of yesterday that Baba Miller, you know, obviously a really talented 6'11 freshman forward, it isn't going to play until early January. Um, no, due, I didn't due, even know that. That's not good. <laughs> impermissible. Accepting impermissible travel benefits, right? Oh, like geez. accept like three thousand dollars worth of travel benefits and then repaid them and got suspended anyway. So absurd suspension. Like you should be able to play. It's a little crazy. Uh, but yeah, they're not going to have them until January 11th against Wake Forest. So that's significant, right? But again, Florida is really deep. They're excuse me, Florida State's really deep. They're talented. Um, Leonard Hamilton, again, really good coach. But I think without Balba Miller, it's fair to wonder, you know, what this team's going to look like from a ceiling perspective, right? Because I think you're getting him back at obviously a really good time of the year, like early in non-conference play. But at the same time, like he hasn't really been able to integrate himself into the offense um, in actual game action. And the rotations defensively as a freshman forward are pretty significant in the ACC, in my opinion. It's generally overlooked. So, I think it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how he comes in and what he looks like when he returns from suspension, because I think that, you know, just how good he looks is really going to go a long way to determining what Florida state can become March. So this is a tournament team in my opinion, Ed, but not without questions, like you mentioned. 
Yeah, unfortunately for them, they play a pretty soft non-conference schedule. Um, the only real game that stands out is on the 18th of November against Florida. But other than that, it's a pretty soft schedule for the first month, month and a half until they get to ACC play. So we'll see if they can right the ship by then as all the pieces come together. But in the onset, there's just a lot of unknown in Tallahassee right now. Sixth finish project projection in the ACC is the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mike Bray's got a really good team. Uh, brings back some guys like Nate Leschewski and, of course, the greatest Irish name of all time, Cormac Ryan, who we saw have a really good end of the year last year for them. Um, they, those guys come back. They lost some really good players as well, but that's what good programs are supposed to do. You're supposed to lose good players. And then they replace them with guys like five-star J.J. Starling, who I think is going to have a really, really good year for the Irish. A super, super talented guy, kind of a combo guard, can play a little bit of the point, and the two score at all three levels really raises the ceiling of this team. And if he's able to come on to college basketball strong, I think the Notre Dame team could be really, really good. Uh, Mike Bray is a phenomenal coach. And when he starts landing guys like five-star guards and Starling, um, the, the sky's the limit for the Irish. Uh, and, you know, they have some questions as well. You replace a bunch of minutes and guys that left last year. But when you replace them with five stars, it's easy to see the vision and see why people picked them to finish six in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling of this team could actually be pretty high. Um, you know, a lot of veterans coming back, right? And you mentioned Lachesky and Cormac Bryan. Bring in J.J. Starling, obviously you lose Blake Wesley to the NBA, but like you mentioned, you know, this is what good – it's supposed to happen with good programs, right? You lose really good players, you bring in really good players. And J.J. Starling, one of the more highly touted recruits that, that Mike Bray has had at Notre Dame, and – I think it's a really interesting year to monitor for Notre Dame. So I know coming into the year last year, the question was, okay, this is going to be a really talented fighting Irish team. Can they make it to the tournament? Right. That was the question because Mike Bray really, since that team that had Jerry and Grant, Pat Connaughton, um, Demetrius Jackson, like they, they didn't really have consistency in the backcourt or the front court, And they were really, really struggling for a few years. And, he gets the team back to the tournament last year. They win the play-in game. Um, he gets them to advance. Obviously, they, they they lose before a Sweet 16, but, like, nobody was expecting, you know, Notre Dame, I think, from where they were in the middle of the year to kind of finish how they did. So I think all in all, the Notre Dame team, in my opinion, met expectations, even though it was kind of like an, an up-and-down middle of the year. reminds me a lot of Virginia Tech, quite honestly, <laughs> and how, and how um, a lot of people were expecting Tech to play last year and kind of where they ended up, how they got there. Uh, but, yeah, this is a really talented Notre Dame team. And I'm interested to see how J.J. Starling plays, right? Because when you're replacing a guy like Blake Wesley, you got to have somebody step in and be impactful right away. And the one thing about Mike Bray, Notre Dame programs, is that he tends to not really play the young guys all that much unless they're just that good, right? Blake Wesley was playing as a freshman, and we obviously expect J.J. Starling to be playing a lot as a freshman. So how does that look? Right. And, and how does he integrate himself into the system there in South Bend? I think Notre Dame is going to be very good um, and very, you know, high floor type team, because I think of what they're going to be able to put out on the floor offensively. Like Nate Lachesky is a double double waiting to happen. Um, he has a very good offensive game. And I think now what you're going to have is guys like Cormac Ryan coming off of the tournament last year, having a little bit more confidence. And this is going to be a team that I think, offensively is going to be a bit better than they were last year just by virtue of a lot of these guys you know taking another step forward so uh, yeah I expect Notre Dame to be quite good yeah I'm right there with you I, I think you know 
the ceiling of that team is largely going to depend on J.J. Starling and how well he can play at the guard position this year for them. So coming in seventh in the ACC preseason rankings are the defending ACC tournament champions of Virginia Tech Hokies. Um, I was surprised to see them this low coming into the preseason, but when you take a look at what they've lost in Storm Murphy and Emeline and, of course, Kebe Aluma, I can understand the speculation from the media. Uh, we talked about this team, obviously, a lot already on the first episode of the season. I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But Virginia Tech projected to finish seventh. Um, I think, you know, there's obvious questions. How do the guards play, especially on defense? Who are the backup guards? How well does Grant Basile fill in for the loss of Kebe Aluma on both ends of the floor? Um, I think this roster is definitely deeper and more talented maybe than previous rosters. But I understand the, the speculation from the media on this one um, heading into the year. And I'm not going to you know, talk about the Hokies too much on this because we've already done that and we'll continue to do that moving forward. But seventh coming into the year, I understand it. I think Virginia Tech will be better than that. And I'll get to that in a second. But uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the Hokies coming in at seventh in the preseason rankings? I get it. Like, I, I get it. That's, that's my biggest takeaway. I understand it. You're, you're really banking on, and I think Basile is going to be very good, but you're banking, if you're the media member you know, voting on this team, you're banking on a guy from Wright State coming in and immediately making an impact in the ACC, right? And I think that, objectively speaking, a lot of Virginia Tech fans looked at things about a year ago and said, wow, Storm Murphy, he was really, really good at Wofford. He'll come in and play well at the ACC, no problem. It took him a minute, right? It took him a minute. And I get that Storm Murphy is, is it's, it's different, right? Playing point guard in the ACC versus maybe being a wing or forward, right? So I get that. But you're really banking on Basile to be the bulk of the replacement on a points per game basis for Kebe Aluma. That's a lot to ask, right? And I think really at the end of the day, it's going to be shared offensively, but I get it. I understand the rank, the, the ranking by, you know, the media in terms of looking at Virginia Tech in the preseason in the ACC. I do think the Hokies will finish better than that as well, but I get it. Yep, it's certainly understandable. Um, all right, let's turn the page from what the media says. and Let's talk about what we think is going to happen now, Mike. Now it's our turn to shine. So to recap, the ACC top 10, which we only talked about seven of them in depth, but I'll highlight the bottom three as well. UNC, Duke, UVA, Miami, Florida State, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and NC State. So we're not going to dive into the Syracuse, Wake Forest, and NC State team overview too much. We'll just stick with the teams that were projected to finish ahead of Virginia Tech. But I'm going to go ahead and give you my top seven. So Virginia Tech was projected seventh. I'll give you my top seven. And then, Mike, you can do the same following that. So I'm going to go with UNC. I agree with the media on this one. Uh, those guys have all just played a lot of basketball together, and that's super valuable in college athletics, uh, whether it's football, basketball in general. Um, the more time you play together, the better you'll be. And that's why I do think ultimately UNC will finish first place at the end of the regular season. I am going to go with Duke at second. I was surprised that my brain led me this way, um, but there's just so much talent and they're so big and athletic and long. That team has like three or four guys, six eleven or, or above, um, just a super, super athletic team. And I think if it can come together, even at like an 80% clip, that team has enough talent to finish second in the ACC. So the media had Virginia third. I'm going to go with Miami finishing third. I think Isaiah Wong and Nigel Pack 
uh, gives them enough to have a really, really good year. They're going to have consistent scoring night in and night out from both guard spots. Uh, you know, obviously we're not going to account for injuries in here, but if those two stay healthy, that's a very, very good guard duo. And I think they can carry them to finishing third in the ACC. I actually have Virginia Tech fourth. Um, and I have them fourth because I think if Sean Padula and Darius Maddox can play defense the way they did at the end of the year, those two can be a very, very formidable backcourt to go along with guys like Justin Mutz and Hunter Couture, who have played a ton of ball together at a very high level. Um, Grant Basile coming in for Kevin Aluma. I think Lynn Kidd has a really good year off the bench for the Hokies. And freshman Rodney Rice and MJ Collins at the backup guard spots. I think there's just a lot of depth. Uh, it seems more athletic very talented and will obviously be very co well coached, particularly on the offensive end. So I have Virginia Tech finishing in fourth in the regular season in the ACC, followed up right behind them, Notre Dame. Um, you know, we just talked about Notre Dame. It's very dependent on J.J. Starling, but he's a very, very good player. And I think if he can hit his stride somewhere near the beginning of ACC play, the Notre Dame team could have a really, really good year. Mike Bray's an awesome coach. So Notre Dame at fifth, followed by UVA. Like we both hit on, I, I just can't see it until I see the offense. And I'm not sure that that offense, particularly from the guard spots, is ever going to be anything to be desired. You know, they're always going to play defense, but I think they'll have a tendency to get outscored this year simply because they don't have the ability to do so themselves. So UVA in sixth and followed the top, rounding out the top seven for me is Florida State. Um, like I said, super high ceiling on this team. There's so much talent, um, but, you know, suspensions, injuries, et cetera kind of plagued them last year and we're already seeing it this year. So I'm going to have them finish seventh going into the year, albeit they could also finish, you know, second if, if everything comes together. They're very talented and well coached, but, you know, until I see it, I'm going to have them much lower than the media projected. So that's my top seven, North Carolina, Duke, Miami, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, UVA, and Florida State. Mine is very similar. Um, I flipped a couple teams here, um, basically a spot from what you had. So I got UNC one. It's a no brainer. We talked about all the talent they have coming back. Hubert Davis really impressed with the job he did last year um, in getting this team tournament ready. I thought they did a great job in the tournament. Obviously they were 20 minutes away from being national champions could have easily been national champions. If Kansas didn't go on a crazy hot shooting streak in the second half. So um, Carolina is one for me. Uh, number two for me is Miami. Um, it's really hard for me to look at this Miami team and look at what they have in the backcourt. And we talked about that at length a few minutes ago and just not think that this team, you know, is the second best team in the ACC. Um, I have them ahead of Duke. I have Duke three. For sole reasoning is like, I think Duke is better. Do I think Duke's better than Miami? Like from a talent standpoint? Yes, I do. Do I think Duke is going to have it all figured out and, October, November, December versus kind of what they're going to be in January, February. No, I don't. Um, I think it's going to take some time. I think Miami is going to get off to a better start in conference play. And I think that ends up being the difference there towards the end of the season when you kind of look at the standings and where things shake out. So I think Miami finishes narrowly ahead of Duke. I have Duke third. Notre Dame, I have fourth. Um, just a lot of talent. I think JJ Starling uh, will get into conference player of the year, newcomer of the year, all that stuff in a few minutes. But like, J.J. Starling, I think, is going to be one of the top players in the ACC as a freshman, so I have Notre Dame fourth. I have Virginia Tech fifth. Um, all the reasons you mentioned, Ed, uh, talent, depth, just the deepest team, in my opinion, that Mike Young's had. I think a lot of people thought last year's team was going to be pretty deep. It didn't really pan out that way. Um, I, I think this team's going to be deeper. I think it's going to be more balanced across the board. Has the potential, certainly, to be a better team than what we saw last year, so I got Virginia Tech fifth. Virginia sixth. Um, 
I mean, look, I think the ceiling's there for UVA. I need to see it offensively. Like you mentioned, Ed, I'm with you. Um, Got to see it offensively. Florida State, uh, I got them seventh. I would have Florida State higher, but Baba Miller being out until January, I think that's really, really significant. So I think where I'd have Florida State maybe fourth or fifth in the conference, I think it's the difference between, you know, them finishing seventh. Like, is Baba Miller going to be ready for early conference play? Yeah. But at the same time, like, I think it's going to take some time for him to, you know, get integrated, fully integrated into the team offensively, defensively as a freshman in ACC play. You'd like to have a few games under your belt in the non-conference schedule. So not having that, I think, is going to hurt a little bit. Like at Florida State, um, finishing seventh. But at the same time, like, I think Florida State is a deep team, and I think they'll be able to certainly make the tournament and then potentially make a run. So I think they're going to be gelling at the right time of year. So not necessarily a slight on, on Florida State, but, you know, at the outset, it's hard to see him, you know, any higher than seventh considering Bob Miller's status. Yeah, we're we're in agreement on our top seven, just slightly different orders. Uh, it's going to be a really fun year, and I'm looking forward to it. I think the ACC is back, quote unquote. You know, people have said the ACC has been down for a few years, but following that really good tournament run from the entire conference last year, uh, I think the ACC is in a really good position to have a great year on the national level. So, really quick, uh, let's go through our postseason awards. We're going to hit Player of the Year rookie of the year, coach of the year, and our first team. So I'm going to go really fast here. But uh, player of the year, I'm going chalk. Armando Baycott, he averaged 16 and 13 last year. Um, if he even does that again, he'll win the award. Uh, so that's that's okay with me, what they have there. Armando Baycott, hard to argue with an uh, average of a double-double from the North Carolina big man. Uh, rookie of the year, I'm going to go with J.J. Starling. And the consensus from the media was to pick any of the Duke freshmen, understandably so. But I'm going to go with J.J. Starling because I think those Duke guys might just eliminate themselves. You know, there's too many of them, right? How are they all possibly going to have that level of a year? Uh, so I'm going to go with Starling because I think he'll play a lot of minutes for Notre Dame, which will then give him the opportunity to win this award uh, come season's end. Coach of the year, I'm going to go with Jim Beheim, And this one's a completely politics pick because I don't expect Syracuse to finish in the top seven. I don't really expect them to make the NCAA tournament, et cetera, et cetera. But if they do, if they somehow sneak in on the bubble as Syracuse has a tendency to do, um, I think the media and the coaches will be very inclined to give Jay, Jim Beheim coach of the year and what could very well be his final year in Syracuse. So I'm going to go with Beheim for coach of the year. And then my first team, all ACC, uh, Baycott, of course, Isaiah Wong at Miami, Tracoyabion Smith at North Carolina State, averaged 16 a game last year. Very, very good player for North Carolina State. Those three were chalk. But then after that, I'm going with a Carolina guard, but not the one that everyone thinks of. Um, I'm going with R.J. Davis. I think R.J. Davis has a really good year and kind of runs the show uh, for the Tar Heels and what we all expect to be a very good team. And I think he'll get rewarded for doing so come season's end and jump his backcourt mate in the voting for the first team all ACC. And then the last one's Justin Mutz, because I think Virginia Tech finishes at higher than they're projected in the ACC. I think Mutz will be a big part of that. I look for him to have a really, really good year on the defensive end of the floor, be the distributor that we all know and love, and that high-energy guy. And I think he'll be the engine that keeps this team moving all year long, and then he'll get rewarded for that come season's end with a first-team placement in the All-ACC. So those are my five, Baycott, Wong, Smith, Davis, and Mutz. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, let's start with Coach of the Year. My coach of the year is Mike Young, because I think Virginia Tech has potential to be a top three or four team in the ACC, and I think if they're even better than that, Mike Young's going to win the year. Um, so, give me Mike Young. 
Uh, Conference Player of the Year, Armando Baycott, newcomer J.J. Starling. I'm going with you, Ed. I'm in, in total agreement there. And then my first team, all ACC, Caleb Love, North Carolina, no surprise there. Going to go with Isaiah Wong as well because, look, it's kind of – it's hard to pick two Carolina guards, so I'm only going to pick one. Um, I do like the must pick a lot. I'm also going to go with Notre Dame's uh, Nate Lashevsky, uh because he uh, – look, if he ever puts it together consistently, like he, he's a double-double waiting to happen. Can he do it on a more consistent basis? That's what I want to know. Um, Armando Baycott as well. So I got Love, Wong, Mutz, and Baycott. That's my five. I love the Lashevsky pick. That's a good one. So we both we both have Notre Dame having a pretty good year. They're kind of sprinkled across the rankings and across our postseason awards. Um, Mike, it's going to be awesome. You know, we're recording this on the first, so we're six days away from the kickoff of the season for most programs across the country. It's going to be a really good year in the ACC. I look forward to watching all these teams play. You know, there's a lot of really, really good players and really good teams in this conference this year. Uh, it's it's going to be good. You know, rising tide raises all ships, right? So I, I'm looking forward to a really good year in the conference, a really good year for the Hokies, uh, and a really good year for college basketball in general. College basketball is the best, man. I'm, I'm so fired up for it. Yeah, man. Week out, it's going to be huge. And it's going to be a really good year for the ACC, I think. Definitely a bounce-back year. I agree with you. The ACC is definitely back. All right, man. Well, we will record sometime next week after the Hokies have got a game or two under their belt. But until then, go Hokies. Hokies.